Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I. They are the leader in training for facilities and property management. Check them out. Well, today our show is related to that. We're going to talk about sustainability and wellness and how to improve your top line and bottom line numbers. You know, I think uh, all of us are interested in sustainability. All of us are interested in wellness. But it's very interesting when you get into it and see how you can really increase your numbers, your productivity, your top line, your bottom line, your property values. That's what we're going to talk about today. Please welcome my first guest. It's David Pogue. David is Senior VP, Global Client Care and Sustainability with CBRE, and he's joining us on the phone. David, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Well, David, you know, it seems like uh, commercial real estate people, it's a numbers game, right? <laughs> we're, we're into value, we're into in decreasing costs, increasing revenues, and it seems like sustainability, um, it has some cost to it. Uh, and, but, but is that changing? What are you seeing out there today? Well, there's actually been a significant uh, evolution of sustainability and the view of that and commercial real estate business over the last 12 to 15 years that I've been involved with it and that CB's been involved, and I'm sure many of your listeners have been involved. Uh, when we first started in probably 2006, 2007, uh, our concern was around energy. Uh, there were some concerns at that point about rising cost of energy. There were even some concerns about availability of energy. And so we in the commercial real estate business became concerned about how do we manage that um, and began to make our buildings more energy efficient. What we discovered early on was that it was not only an economic benefit, because obviously the less you use of anything that costs money, the better it's going to be for your bottom line, but we also became very aware that office buildings were at the nexus of a real sustainability issue. Uh, many of the concerns around global climate change and around sustainability broadly were occurring in the real estate business. Uh, and so we early on discovered that it was not just economics, but it was also environment. And, and we were at a time in, in history, I guess, where this was becoming an important play. Uh, and so the real estate industry became uh, a center point uh, for a lot of those discussions. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it seems like every tenant that we represent for space, you know, wellness and sustainability, uh, it, they, they want that box checked. And so, David, tell us about your, your report, the Green Building Adoption Index. Well, this is something that we began about five years ago. Uh, one of the issues that we were concerned about was just to see how broadly was this topic being followed. Uh, we were working very hard, getting a lot of lead certifications on behalf of our clients. There was also a lot of Energy Star buildings. Uh, and so we were just curious to know if where the marketplace was on that, how, how, how accepted it was. So we did a partnership with a gentleman by the name of Nils Koch, who I think probably, again, many of your listeners know. Nils is an uh, economics professor at Maastricht University in the Netherlands. Uh, and he's been at the forefront of a lot of the, of the academic and economic uh, work on this field. And so we partnered with Mills, uh, and we also began using our own internal research. And we looked at the 30 largest U.S. markets, uh, real estate markets for office space. Uh, we tried to compare that then to those buildings that had achieved either Energy Star label or LEED certification, and we started looking back to 2005. What we discovered is that in 2005, really the industry didn't care about this. It wasn't an important aspect. Less than 1% of the buildings that we looked at 
had either of those labels. By the first time we did the study, which was 2013, the market had changed dramatically. Uh, now, virtually every big building in very in the big cities cared about this. We had moved to a point where now, in 2017, we just did our fifth annual study, more than 13% of the buildings in those 30 largest cities, and again, these are the higher profile, they're not every building, but the buildings that CBRE research would, would include in our, in our numbers, but more than 13% of the buildings in those 30 markets had either an Energy Star label or LEED certification. And more importantly, because it was a lot of the big buildings in those markets, more than 40% of the space. Wow. So this is now average. If you, if you don't have Energy Star or LEED certification, particularly if you're in one of the bigger markets, Chicago, Boston, San Francisco, uh, the ones that are leading, then you're probably not A-class. You need to be sustainable, and you need to have that certification. Yeah, and you're finding these buildings are performing better, right? Generally, they do. Well, again, we had another study that we did, the first part of our research that we started at in 2009 uh, with Norm Miller, who's a, a, a leader in this field also at the University of San Diego. Uh, we had 160 Energy Star labeled buildings. Uh, and so we decided that we wanted to determine if those buildings performed better than the rest of the marketplace. So again, using CBRE market data and using the good work of Norm Miller and his team, we discovered that these 160 buildings in 10 markets, and this was over a four-year period, they generally outperformed their peer set in both occupancy and rental rate achievement. So early on, starting in 2009, we became convinced that a sustainable building was a better performing building in both occupancy and rental rate. So we thought the economics were already there with that earlier work, and now we're demonstrating in the work that we've done with Mills that the marketplace has responded and generally, again, if you're a big building in a big market, you will have those certifications. Yeah, so it makes financial sense to uh, consider sustainability in your projects. And if you're a tenant or a user or an operator, and another part of sustainability, I guess, uh, it, it coincides with wellness, right? And wellness is a big part of, of increasing productivity and it's import, more important to, to users every day. So tell us about uh, the study with Harvard related to indoor air quality. Okay. Uh, first, I'll, I'll start a little bit at the beginning. The, the whole evolution, again, of sustainability in buildings, again, started in 2005, 2006 with Energy Star, a single aspect of the building. Energy is important, and as we discussed earlier. If you don't have energy, you don't have a building that runs. We were concerned about cost and, and environment. But that was then only a single element. The market quickly moved in 2007, 2008 with the introduction of LEED EB, which address existing buildings, it became more concerned about the holistic approach to a building. It wasn't just energy, it was now water and waste management practices, uh, the way you, you gave access to natural light internally. There was a whole host of things about the physical aspect of the entire building that became important, and so that became the rule. Starting about five years ago, people became aware of the role that these buildings, and I think they were already always aware, but they became sensitive to the fact that what happens inside the building for the employees really is what matters. And there's a whole axiom that goes that it costs $3 for energy, $30 for rent, $300 for occupancy, <laughs> yeah. for wages and such. Yeah. And so that's where the money is. Yeah. So starting about five years ago, there was the first of certification around wellness in your building. 
first was created by Delos. Uh, it's a certification called Well Certification. CBRE received the first of the Well Certifications for commercial buildings in our uh, headquarters building at 400 South Hope. Uh, so we got in at the beginning and started seeing this and seeing the reaction that people were having to this. People became very um, aware that what happens in a building, what happens to their employees, has a great deal of importance. Yeah. It's difficult to measure. Uh, you're doing human studies. It's, uh, productivity for white-collar work is also difficult to measure. Um, you know, did you do one more phone call or you make one more uh, you know, brief? Um, so it's difficult to, to measure those things. But as you pointed out, the Harvard folks, uh, Dr. Joe Allen and his team uh, at Harvard, uh, did a study of starting about three years ago. And the, the title of the study, I think, was The Impact of Green Buildings on Cognitive Function. What they were determined to understand was if you improve indoor air quality, did you get better cognitive results? Because this is what people are doing in buildings. Um, they did a, a lab study uh, with human subjects. They brought in folks actually from Harvard, did their normal work over a period of time, and manipulated airflow and air quality. Uh, and then we're giving them a variety of cognitive tests. Um, over the study period, they determined that there was significant improvement in cognitive outcome, which obviously we think, and they think, leads to better performance in the kinds of work that most office workers are doing. So they did the lab study. They also felt it was important to do a field study. And we were fortunate enough to be uh, working with them. They, did, they looked at, at 10 uh, buildings, uh, five pairs of buildings across the United States, and they tried to duplicate as much of that study as they could. It was obviously more difficult. We're working with engineers. We're working with people in their normal work study or work style. Uh, but at the end of that study, it also was determined that the results were not quite as high and quite as dramatic, but they still were uh, impressive. So what they determined is that there is, in fact, a performance improvement uh, with indoor air quality, and they also created an economic outcome for that. Uh, what they determined using U.S. Department of Labor Statistics and a host of other things is that improved indoor air quality can improve people's performance by $6,500 per person per year, Wow, which is pretty dramatic. Uh, so at the end of the day, energy is important. Energy is where the emissions are. Energy is what people care about. Holistic improvements are also quite important, how you manage the building just so that you're being socially responsible. But really, at the end, it's what matters on employees, because that's where the cost is, and that's what these buildings are for. And so the emphasis has now shifted to what does the interior of the building look like? How are you motivating your employees? How are you doing different things through ergonomics or indoor air quality or the like to improve the productivity of those folks? Yeah, that's awesome, and I agree with you that the buildings are for us. They're for the people, and when you look at you know things like utilities, that's a little harder to improve, but you look at people, you think there, there could be a lot of room for improvement in how we all produce inside of these spaces, so I think it's wonderful. Well, David, what, what's in the future? What, what are you guys doing and looking ahead to that, that, uh, that bring us in the future to, to regarding sustainability or wellness? Well, there's a, there's a lot of things that are moving. Um, on the one hand, when we look at energy, uh, first of all, there's just a whole ration of new technology on how you use energy in a building, whether it's lighting systems or, or even glass systems or just 
every aspect of a building, physical piece of a building, you can be certain that there are companies out there right now actively looking at ways to improve that uh, around energy. Uh, but then there's also things around ways to manage and measure that, sensors, and to give you immediacy so that you can you can make changes on the fly. It used to be, not even that long ago, that you would get your utility bill 15 days after the close of a month and realize that during that last month something went haywire and you spent a lot of money on something that, that didn't work. And so you'd go back retroactively based on things that you found out after time. We're now much more capable of finding out things very early so you can make changes to systems. You can, you can discover problems much, much earlier. So there's going to be a lot of changes, I think, in just the physical pieces of buildings around mechanical systems, lighting, et cetera, LED lighting, and the introduction of that has obviously changed the lighting industry significantly. So bits and parts of buildings, I think, are going to change. Um, there's also movements around the, the United States in many municipalities, many utility companies, many states. I live in California, which is very aggressive on this, uh, where they are now requiring significantly lower energy use of buildings going forward, all the way into the future with literally net zero. So not only are you going to be responsible for reducing, you're getting to the point where you, you're going to have to either reduce and, and generate enough energy to be net, uh, net uh, drain on the grid. So the, that whole piece of it is really moving rapidly. There's also then other pieces of building systems like glass I mentioned. There's some companies out that are doing some really innovative things on glass, um, on the building envelope. So there's going to be physical changes. But at the same time, we're looking at how do people work? Um, how do we make that more efficient? Um, even our own company, we created something called Workplace 360 about five years ago where we really reevaluated the way work was done, the way people work together. And what that leads to in many cases is a reduction in space per person. You're making the space much more efficient. We did our own internal studies and determined that many places, many private offices, for instance, or conference rooms, were used very infrequently. And so there was a lot of wasted space. There was a lot of wasted space on paper storage. So we changed a lot of the ways we did work. We got rid of private offices. We made our common areas uh, different so that there was a lot more interaction between people. So I think that's the other point that we're looking at now. How do you make people and their interaction and the workday more productive? How yeah. do you provide concierge-type services to help them manage the work-life imbalance uh, that people are, are feeling? Right. So buildings are going to become that uh, in the next, the next generation of buildings. Right, and as you said before, that's what's important. It's for the people and the productivity. And, and going back to what you talked about, buildings being net zero, and, that, and that's just awesome to think about. And, but to some people, it may seem, are you kidding me? How, how could we afford to build a building that would make sense uh, with the rents to have a net zero building? But to that end, David, what are you seeing for cost for sustainability and wellness? Are you seeing costs come down so that, that this this it, we may have more of a surge and changes in sustainability and wellness moving forward. Things could happen faster. Uh, yes, there definitely is a, a, a change in, in, in cost. And I, I will go back and look at even when we first were involved in LEED, in LEED certification, that was viewed as a cost. 
that that it, it was more expensive to do a lead gold building. It was much more expensive to do a lead platinum building. At the time when we were first beginning and the industry was first beginning, there wasn't engineering experience. There wasn't architectural experience. There was a limited number of products. So if you were truly going to do a lead certified building in 2008, you had a limited opportunity. You had to choose from more expensive options. There were fewer of them, uh, and it did cost more. But obviously, the building industry responded to that. And you can now build a lead EV building, or a lead building rather, in a gold building, and I've seen the numbers, for no additional cost. There's now a range of products and a range of options and service providers who can do that because that became the norm in the business. And I think we're going to see that same kind of shift as we move toward these other kinds of things. And I'll relate a a personal um, point here that I, I met with one of our clients just this summer. And I was, I was talking to them about the same sorts of things here, the evolution of the marketplace. And again, future is going to be carbon-free or, or, or net, net zero building. And they asked me about that specifically. And, you know, and, I, and I, I was reminded just a couple of weeks ago that I used the phrase that, the, that a lot of these buildings are, in my phrase, I said they were show ponies, <laughs> that there were some examples, but there really weren't a lot, and they weren't a lot in, in common practice. Well, that was six months ago. I literally spoke with the same client uh, a week ago. They, as an organization, are now thinking about trying to create a net zero project. Mm-hmm. They want our assistance in this. So, so what was a show pony six months ago, this organization, and they want to be a leader in the marketplace. They want to be ahead of it. Uh, it's something that they think could give them a marketplace advantage. Um, and so they are now asking, let's go back and evaluate that show pony. And let's see what we really have to do. So we are looking at a couple of sites with them uh, to determine how you might make those buildings now net zero energy or closer to that uh, with on-site generation and with some energy efficiency programs. So what was uh, you know, not thought of or, or not thought possible even a short while ago, people are beginning to consider. And what's more and more considered, and they're going to be pushed to this by states like California and other places, so, again, one of the points that, that I wanted to make in our conversation today is that people have moved to this sustainability to the next level, oftentimes because of stakeholder either demand or request or interest, whether it's your tenants that are asking you to do this, whether it's municipalities that are asking you to do this. In some cases, it is investors who are asking you to do this, and they're challenging you to be better in all matters of sustainability, not just environment, but also social and governance. So there are multiple stakeholders who are moving the market forward. And real estate always has been a reactive industry. I mean, there are some folks who build the Taj Mahal sort of building out of ego. But by and large today, buildings are built by by demand. Uh, They're meeting a demand. They're maybe stretching that a little bit. But it's a reactive industry. If our clients, if our tenants want these, we will provide them. We'll find a way to provide them. Um, and we work with a broad industry that will help do that. That's excellent. So no longer will they be show ponies. Net zero could end up being the future of all our new buildings. David, great information. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being on the show. 
My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And David's going to supply us with some uh, links to some of these studies. Incredible information. Uh, so do check it out at CREshow.com. Now, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get back and talk about wellness certification and how you can get a wellness certification and how it can really impact the productivity of your, your people, of your tenants, and your top line and bottom line numbers. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by commercialagentsuccess.com. It is the ultimate training for commercial agents and brokers. Well, today we're talking about wellness. We're talking about sustainability, and we're talking about how to increase your top line and bottom line numbers with wellness and with sustainability. And uh, what a great, great topic because we're all concerned with productivity. We're all concerned with wellness, and everyone's always concerned with top line and bottom line numbers. Well, please welcome my next guest. I have Warren Nielsen and Jeremy Adama with us, and they're with a company called Stoke, and they're joining us uh, on, on the phone, basically. <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Tell us briefly about Stoke, what you guys do. Yeah, so Stoke is a vertically integrated real estate services firm. Uh, we offer um, certifications work for lead and well. Uh, we do engineering services as well as uh, including commissioning, energy modeling, energy auditing. Uh, we have a project management team as well doing some smaller scale TI work. And we do uh, strategic portfolio analysis to help corporations with large real estate assets to come up with sustainability action plans, sustainability plans, defining what sustainability means for them, defining a path for what, um, where to go and what that aligns, a sustainability um, value that aligns with what their um, core values are. Uh, yeah, I love what you guys do. And you did a study called the Financial Impact of High Performance Buildings. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was a, a, a bit of research that we've been working on for a couple of years that uh, we actually pulled together uh, academic and industry experts uh, to quantify the financial impacts of high performance uh, design and high performance buildings. We defined high performance buildings by uh, buildings that uh, – reduce the environmental impact and, and drive regenerative uh, design uh, that increase productivity through uh, great indoor uh, environmental experiences uh, and uh, um, uh, increased uh, health, wellness, and, and productivity. Um, 
as well as buildings that drive the financial bottom line to those tenants and the uh, landlords or developers. So you really have the high performance design really hits the, the three tiers of sustainability from a, uh, a human and social impact and environmental impact and a financial impact. Um, so that study really, we sat down and uh, determined that really the story of the financial impact for these high performance buildings is not told very well. And that there's a lot of credible research and a lot of experience that we had actually handled with our clients that came uh, that came to the conclusion that the financial uh, value of moving forward with high performance design uh, was a no brainer. And so we didn't feel the story was told well enough and uh, comprehensive enough. So we decided to sit down and dedicate uh, two years to pulling the research together and our experience and uh, experts in the field um, to write this report. Well, what do you what do you say to the what do you say to the naysayers who say, "No, what? Uh, no, sustainability. It's a bunch of malarkey. It's just going to cost us money. Uh, you know, no one's going to be more productive." You know, what do you say? What your what's the bottom line? What your what your study come up with? I mean, in short, the response would be, "Okay, no problem. There's the rest of us will do it and keep moving forward." Maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, left behind. But you know, probably not the answer everyone wants to hear, but. Uh, you know, the, the bottom line of the report says that uh, financially, the return on investment is almost immediately. You know, really, when we think about the numbers, for every dollar you spend in design, you spend about 10 uh, in construction. Uh, and for every dollar you spend in design, you spend about $100 in the operations of that building. However, the real fascinating number is for every dollar you spend in design, you spend about 1000 on your employees. And if we spend a little bit more time and a little bit more money, uh, driving the productivity in those employees, uh, the, the payback is almost immediate, uh, right? So let's double the cost of design and increase productivity by 1%, and that return on investment happens within a year. And to add to that, we're, what we want to do is design for the user, and because at the end of the day, that's what buildings are for. They're for the, use, the end users. And so the U.S. has turned into a service-based economy. We're not uh, the financial value of our companies is not based off of our property, plants, and equipment anymore. It's based off of our intellectual capital. It's based off of our people, our employees. So there should not be an argument about not putting your employees in the best possible spaces you can. And so that that's that's the angle we take with a lot of our clients in in using a user end user approach to the design. And did you see a dollar value to premium to to more sustainable buildings, more wellness type buildings? Yeah, actually, in our in our report that we developed, it, we see a twenty dollar per square foot premium in in high performance buildings, based and that's uh, based off of a hundred fifty thousand hypothetical hundred fifty thousand square foot building with a um, corporate client with an average revenue of um, I think a hundred. No, $500,000, $540,000 per employee of average revenue per employee. And so, you know, a large company, um, a large corporate client, and we've provided a hypothetical example in this, in this report. Um, then we dive into productivity, how productivity, retention, and health uh, impacts the employees of this hypothetical building and providing a methodology for uh, companies to develop a metric to analyze what their what these impacts are on high performance buildings. So twenty dollars a square foot for the building pre, uh, premium for the user per year. Is that right? Correct. 
So that's pretty big value. Does that surprise anyone when, when they see that? It surprised me, to be honest, <laughs> uh, when, we, when we went through the numbers. And what I love uh, saying when I'm presenting this um, to, to conferences around the nation here is that even if you, it's backed by, let me start by saying it's backed by decades and decades of research of um, academics and industry leaders looking into the impacts of productivity retention and health in the workplace. And, um, and so the data is there. We're not just making these numbers and pulling them out of thin air. Um, and even if you don't believe the, the numbers that we use in the report, we use 3% in productivity, increase in productivity, a 5% um, increase in retention, and a 30% decrease in absenteeism. Um, even if you don't believe in those numbers or you like that, that might be a little far-fetched, take 50% of that, take 25% of those numbers, you're still looking at a four-year simple payback um, when, when you boil down the numbers. And so when you look at the employee benefits in a high-performance building, it, it really is a no-brainer um, in designing and make sure that you're designing to enhance your occupant experience. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to get across in this show, and you guys do it well. I love what you what you do, and even if you own the buildings, right? You manage the buildings, uh, you invest in the buildings. Your tenants need to be profitable, and your tenants are going to be driven to these types of buildings, right? Yeah, that's exactly it, and, and that's what we're finding is that the leading developers right now that we're um, collaborating with definitely see this, and they definitely want to attract. Uh, the top tenants, just like the tenants want to attract the top talent into their spaces and into their organizations. And then not only do they want to attract those tenants, but they want to retain them. They want them to stay in the space for a long time. And so if they're thinking uh, out ahead as to what the next wave of uh, design influence is in the future, it's uh, human health and wellness and productivity and environmental responsibility. Uh, we're seeing developers dive all into that 110 and we're seeing them bring in anchor tenants um, quicker with those types of spaces. And what are you seeing as far as the trends here, guys? So, you know, if you look back several years ago, we had a lot of unemployment. Now we have very low unemployment. People are really concerned with recruiting and retention. Is your phone just ringing off the hook? Or is, are people more involved and more excited uh, about sustainability, about wellness today? Or, or, or are, they, are you surprised that they're not kicking in yet? You, you know, we've been really fortunate. Um, we are we're really busy right now, and uh, well, I think a lot of the the economy to some extent is so. Um, but we're absolutely finding that uh, that it's not we're not we're not forcing anyone to do this or think about it. They're calling us and saying, "Hey, we heard this is your expertise and focus area. Uh, tell us how how you can help us." In addition to that, some organizations that we've been working with for years. They're driving harder and harder and deeper and deeper and more technical and off into the future, further ahead of, uh, of the rest of the industry. So we're really seeing a lot of thought leadership that are moving beyond um, standard protocol within health, wellness, environmental sustainability. And we're seeing organizations dive very deeply what it means to select the appropriate materials that don't have chemicals of concern that actually impact human uh, health and productivity within the spaces. Um, and, and th that's hitting things at a more specific level than a broader, uh, you know, client that might call and say, hey, we're looking at developing a property. We want to move forward with LEED certification. We're a little bit beyond that in the industry, I think, has moved 
um, past that and wants something new and wants to know what's next, what's out there. How do we how do we move beyond lead as good and as great and as useful as it as it was to us? Uh, we want more because yeah. we know that that works and that's the direction that we're going to go. And um, I think they're aligned with uh, wave of the future. Yeah. And we were speaking before the show, and you you had mentioned too your your daughter's graduating with a degree in um, um, sustainability within uh, business, uh, and so that's the future. The next generation of um, of the economies coming out here saying what organizations are aligned with my values. I see that uh, the environment and, and climate change is a huge impact yeah. uh, in the world, and I want to align with it in a positive way with either those organizations or with the scope of work that uh, can help me solve those problems. Well, you know, that's great. My daughter, my daughter wants to save the world. You guys are saving the world. And, uh, you know, that's great stuff. Thank you both for joining us. We appreciate the information. And thank you for joining us. Be sure and join us next week. Until then, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, BOMI.org, Property and Facility Management Education. CommercialAgentSuccess.com, video training from Michael Bull. To access these great companies or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREshow.com.